His mouth is dry. And his eyes are still heavy as he rubs them to wipe the sleep away so that he can see clear in this still dark dawn. He's weary. The emotional weight of the sick and the broken and the depressed have taken a toll on him. Even if he had a full night's sleep, the burden that he carries is too much for him alone. He has an active day ahead. He knows that. And his body needs rest. But for now, there is the best, the most important part of his day. So he pushes himself up off the floor, and the room is dark. The bodies are asleep all across the floor, one laying next to each other. And he stands and he slowly steps over each of them. He gets to the door and he grabs a cloak and he puts the hood on and he wraps it around himself. He unlatches the door and opens it slowly as to disguise the creakiness in the hinges. And the cold air just rushes in. He shivers and pulls that cloak tightly around his neck and he steps out into the darkness. Silently, he walks down the cobblestone streets. Very few are out early in the morning and no one's talking to each other. They're just intently trying to get the day started before the sun comes up. He will keep his head down, staring at each step on the cobblestone not wanting to attract any attention. For what he has to do now, he'll do alone. And this is the best part of his day. If today has any shot at success, this is priority one. And hidden under the darkness of that hooded cloak, a soft smile transforms the tired look on his face. And as he walks on the cobblestone streets, he begins, Dear Father, If you're like me, in a story like that, it's nice to get the early part of it, but I want to get to the action. I want to know what's going to go on in that day. I want to see scenes. I want to experience scenes of him healing the sick and, and confronting the Pharisees and, and training the disciples. I want to see that action. And I think about our church family. I think about what it took to get all of this together this morning. And I think of Nova, and we're a church of action, and I love it. You know, every weekday, a lot of you don't see it or hear it or experience it, but every weekday, electricians and plumbers and framers and plan checkers and contractors are making all of this noise to get that open campaign project done. You know, last Saturday, not yesterday, but a week from yesterday, 40 trunks, hundreds, hundreds of hot dogs, thousands of treats, 
three huge inflatable play structures with lines of kids waiting to bounce around and climb walls and slide down slides. Over 600 people descending on our campus for the 2021 Halloween Fest. On Thursday, right out here, the Women's Missions Fellowship putting together hundreds, hundreds of layettes and, and collecting gathered supplies for Mexican medical mission. Yesterday, I, I don't even know how many pounds of food, we'll say over a thousand pounds of food getting ready to be boxed up with fresh produce and meat products to be handed out on the 20th, the Saturday, the 20th of November. And there are smaller groups, small group ministries happening Monday through Saturday. People gathering, spontaneously gathering and, and sometimes gathering to read the scriptures and to share about what their heart is interacting with those scriptures about and caring for one another and praying for one another. And the Holy Spirit is turning acquaintances into friends and friends into family. With 75, over 75% of Nova people gathering like this, we're a church of action. If you're like me, what happens in the early, lonely times is what I often miss. For us, the, the busy, for the busy and the active, it's what I sometimes miss. So let's just begin with a question. How many of you would believe, would say, I believe in the power of prayer, but you probably don't pray as much as you should? If you're humble enough, raise your hand. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's all of us, I, I would think. That's, that's all of us. How many of you believe in the power of prayer, but you feel like sometimes your prayers are not that effective? I feel like that a lot. We're in a series entitled Walk This Way. And in this series, our hope is that the Spirit of God will lead us in the truth of Jesus, but not just his truth, but will, the Spirit of God will teach us to walk this way. And when you look at the earthly life of Jesus, everyone would say, wow, what a life. I mean, what a crazy life. From the way he was born, from the very beginning, people wanted to kill him. He had battles with religious leaders in the government and Satan himself. He was recruiting and training his team. He was healing and bringing life to the brokenhearted and the sick. He was telling people that the kingdom of God is now. He was fulfilling Old Testament prophecies and giving attention and voice to the forgotten like women and children and those who are disenfranchised. He's getting arrested and beaten and nailed to a cross, bearing every sin that you and I have ever committed and will commit and paid the ultimate price for those sins by his death. And he had three days in the tomb, then bodily resurrected, and giving last instructions to his followers. And when I think about the way Jesus walked through life, I want to live like that. I want to love like the way he loved. And if there was any constant in his life, Jesus constantly fought, sought the Father in prayer. And the sermon in a sentence today, and that's a lot of times for preachers, that's where we begin, is how can I put this, what I read in the text, and what, as, a, as the Holy Spirit's working with us, how do I put the sermon in one sentence? And if it's one sentence today, this is it. 
Prayer just isn't something you do. It's a way that you live. Now, there's a few reasons why prayer can be hard for us. And there's, there's three that just come to my mind because they're the things that I suffer from. And you might suffer from the same things that how prayer is hard for me. The first is I lack focus. We lack focus in our prayer. It seems like every time I set out to have an effective and, and long time, I'm thinking I'm going to pray for a long time here of prayer, I get distracted. Or sometimes, if I'm going to be real honest, I get bored. Yeah, I get bored. For the real people out there, if I'm just going to talk to people who are honest out there, we get bored of prayer if we pray for a long time. Have you ever got in a spot where you're praying and you're thinking, I'm going to pray for a long time, and you got really comfortable, and you started to pray, and you're praying and praying, and you're so comfortable that all of a sudden you wake up and you realize, oh, um, I was starting to pray, but I fell asleep, and I'm wondering if my prayer counts if I didn't sign off correctly, like, in Jesus' name, amen, right? We lack focus. The second thing that happens is we lack confidence. We just don't know how to do it sometimes. How do I say the right words for this request that I'm going to go for? We aren't sure what to say. It's especially irritating sometimes when we pray with people who are like, professional prayers, right? I mean, people who really know how to pray. They use King James language, like, I beseech thee, Lord, and then I'm thinking, ah, I don't know how to talk that way. Or they're quoting scriptures, or they're, they're calling on the names of God, Jehovah Rohi, and Jehovah Nisi, and, and all these things, and I'm thinking, what do those things mean? What, I, you know, I, I need a dictionary to figure out what they're praying about. And sometimes we just, we lack confidence, because we're not really sure the right words to pray. We lack focus, we lack confidence. And the third thing is, if I'm honest, I lack faith sometimes. We're not sure. Well, I think God's listening. And I know he can help, but with my feeble words and my lack of focus, I know God can do it. Sometimes I think, but he probably won't. Does he really hear my prayers? Does he really care about what I care about? Maybe you prayed when you were young for your parents' marriage because you knew they were in trouble and they still got divorced. Maybe you prayed for someone that you love and the cancer that's in their body, but it didn't turn out like you wanted it to. Or maybe you're you're praying for just friends because you're lonely. And that's a hard prayer to pray when you're lonely. Today, we're going to talk about what prayer is. But first, for, lack of clari- for, for sake of clarity, let's talk about what prayer is not. Just so that we're real clear on this. Prayer is first not a formal presentation. It's not a formal presentation. You don't have to have the correct and exact words for prayer. You don't have to be in a certain position. You know, when you say, let's pray, and then everyone bows their heads and closes their eyes and folds their hands. Or maybe you're a standing prayer guy, and and you're thinking, maybe I have to have my hands up, or my head bowed, my eyes closed. You know, it's not a formal presentation. You don't have to be in a certain position to pray. Prayer is not also, it's not giving God your wish list. God is not some sort of 
of, of divine or cosmic vending machine, or he's not some sort of genie in a lamp where you, you rub it and the genie comes out and says, I'll grant you wishes now. Um, God is, is not like that. It's not giving God your wish list. It's not a formal presentation. Third, it's not a negotiation. You ever do that? You ever think that, God, I'll promise not to cuss in front of my kids if, right? And, and, and you sort of negotiate with God and say, I promise this. I promise I'll do better. That's not what prayer is about. And prayer is not a performance, and it's not a show. It's not a performance to win the favor of God, and it's not a show to impress people. So today, we're going to take a look at praying like Jesus prayed. We'll look at the way Jesus walked through life and observe how and when he interacted with God. And what we can discover about the way he walked is that prayer for him was not just an action, it was a way of life. It's a way that he lived. And it wasn't an action where we just sort of stop everything we do and we fold our hands, close our eyes, say the words, and then say amen. Instead, what we see is that Jesus prioritized the presence of God in his earthly life. Jesus left the crowds to pray. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed late at night. He prayed at the lakeside. He prayed at the mountainside. So number one, in your notes, if you haven't had your notes open up yet, you can take a look at novachurch.org, and the sermon notes are there. And most of the scriptures are in your sermon notes, or you can take a look at your app, and then there's sermon notes in your app also. Number one is this. The question is, when did Jesus pray? And in your notes, you're going to see this long list where we see Jesus prayed at his baptism. In Luke chapter 3, we read that. In Mark chapter 1, he prayed in the morning. In Luke chapter 5, he prayed after healing people. In Luke chapter 6, at night before choosing his disciples, he prayed. And in Matthew chapter 11, while speaking to the Jewish leaders, he prayed. And we're not going to go over every single one of these. And that list is long if you have your your notes open. But you could see here all the times that Jesus prayed that's recorded in the Gospels of the New Testament. It's amazing at the different times. And if you read through this list and you just look at it, you see all the times that Jesus prayed. And there were these were just the instances that four guys wrote about in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When did Jesus pray? Well, Jesus lived in his life in constant interaction with the Father. Number two, Jesus prayed throughout the whole day. Throughout the whole day. Prayer wasn't something that Jesus did. It was a way that Jesus lived. And you might be thinking right now, you know what, Dean? All of this sounds good because I believe in the power of prayer. I raise my hands but I just don't have time to pray. I got way too much going on in my life. My life is pretty crazy. Whenever you think, I don't have time to pray, I need to tell you, you don't have time not to pray. And I'll say that again, respectfully. But I want to say this as an exhortation to you. If you think, I don't have time to pray, I want to tell you, you don't have time not to pray. There is no more productive, effective, and efficient thing 
you can do today than inviting his presence and his power and his wisdom and his guidance and his leadership and his comfort into your jam-packed, busy, active, and important day. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know about me. My life, my days, I'd have to say, it's tough out there. It's hard. It's scary out there sometimes. And I'm weaker than I let on to you. And I'm not smart enough. And I'm not experienced enough. I'm not even powerful or strong enough to handle all that my day today has for me. You know, I want to be joyful. I want to be confident all throughout the day. But our world seems to be so chaotic and so bizarre sometimes. How can I walk through life like Jesus walked without the presence, his presence with me every step of the way? I need God every single minute of every single day. Number three in your notes. When we pray, we disconnect from the temporal so that we can connect to the eternal one. When we pray, something happens. And what happens is you disconnect from the temporal, from the earthy, so that we can connect to the eternal. We need to disconnect from the temporary things of life so that we can connect with that which is eternal. And I need to disconnect from all the temptations that gratify myself so that I can connect to the one who brings glory to himself. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It's in your notes. It's from the paraphrase, the message. And it says this. This is Jesus' words from the message, paraphrase. Here's what I want you to do. I love that. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. So these are some instructions for us here. When you pray, find a place of seclusion as best as you can. When you pray, find a place, and find a place of seclusion, and be simple. It says, find a quiet, secluded place, so you won't be tempted to role play before God. And just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. And so be simple and be honest. Find a place, be simple, be honest. And then I love for this, the focus is going to shift. When you find a place, a secluded place, where you don't have to role play before God, so find a place, a secluded place, and come as simply and as honestly, as simply and as honestly as you can, and something's going to happen. A focus will shift. A transformation is going to take place in your life. From you to God, the shift is going to happen, and you will begin to sense something, and that is going to be the grace of God. When you find a secluded place, and you come to Him, not role-playing anything, not trying to fake anything, just come as simply and honestly as you can, and something is going to happen to you, in that focus is going to shift from you on earthly things, on temporal things, on temporary things, and that focus is going to shift from you to God. 
and then you're going to sense his grace. You get distracted easy in your prayers? I do. I need to leave my phone in another room. Because sure enough, when you begin to pray, and you got your phone with you, sure enough, a text is going to come through. A call is going to come through. You're going to be tempted to check your email. You're going to be tempted to look at social media. And I'll tell you, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all those things are going to wait for you. You can look at those things later on. But for now, you need to find a secluded place. And you need to find a way to be simple and honest before God. And as you do that, the transformation in your life is going to take place and you're going to sense the grace of God And we need that because our life is so crazy. Why should you disconnect from this world? And I'll tell you, there's one thing. Because intimacy is never accidental. Intimacy is always focused and it's intentional. For God so loved the world, he loved you and me. And he intentionally sent his son, Jesus Christ, to break the disconnection, the thing that takes intimacy away between us and God. So he was focused and he was intentional. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to break that superficialness that we have with God so that he can be intimate with us. And he sent his son to die so that we can be intimate with God. If you want intimacy with God, you need to intentionally disconnect with the world. And you need to get alone, and you need to find a place, and you need to be still and honest and simple, and you need to talk to God about what's on your heart. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, in the message says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, and those of you who have your notes open, don't worry about anything. Instead, finish that sentence with me. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If you have questions, you need to ask Him. If you are mad or angry with Him, you need to tell Him. I think our life, we we try to manage it by compartmentalizing everything in our life. It's sort of like, I was thinking, it's sort of like this. You know what this is? It's a hungry woman. Hungry man, I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I wanted to be fair to everybody. Hungry man, if you don't know what this is, it's fantastic. It's a TV dinner. I ate these all the time when I was a kid. And you know what? They kind of look the same kind of hard to see. On the bottom in this large area right here is mystery meat, okay? And we're not really sure what's in this bottom compartment. This is sort of a metaphor of our lives here. It really is. This mystery meat on the bottom up here is green beans, right? Over here are mashed potatoes, and that's how it's pronounced, potatoes, mashed potatoes. And right here in the very top, we're not really sure what that is, um, but it's something. It's, I think it's dessert uh, is what that is. And if you've never had one, and some of you are younger and you've never really had, how many of you have never had a TV dinner? Raise your hand. Okay.
Mom, I can't believe you have deprived him of TV dinners all these years. Anyways, with that TV dinner, it's all in compartments, and we kind of live our lives like that. It's all in compartments. But I want to tell you today, right now, God, He kind of mixes the whole thing together. He's in every... You can't separate God. And with prayer, you're inviting God to every compartment of your life. He's got to be there. He wants to be all of your life. You can't say... God, work is all, I studied for it, I worked for it, I'm good at it, I don't need you in my work. Or God, I don't, this is my recreation. You can be in my work, but don't come in my recreation. And God, of course, you'll be in my church. But see, God's not like that. He wants to be in every part of your life, and you invite him in every part of your life through prayer. Prayer is not just an action you do, it's a way that you live. When you look at the way Jesus walked through life, he practiced this priority and presence of God. That's why the Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, in your notes, here's three translations of that same verse in the New International Version. Pray continually. What a great verse to memorize for us today, right? Easy and, and, and pointed and focused. Pray continually. New Living Translation, never stop praying. King James Version, pray without ceasing. Prayer is living in God's presence, is experiencing His grace, is hearing His whisper. Prayer is knowing His strength. Prayer is knowing His peace. Prayer is, is, isn't just getting God to do what you want Him to do, but prayer is aligning my will with God's will. Prayer is delighting in the Lord. Prayer is sensing his, his direction. And last point today is this. Give God four different thoughts throughout your day. And this is according to pastor and author Max Lucado. And Max Lucado says, this is how prayer should be. It should be sort of like your thoughts, because you're thinking all day long. And he says, here's four different thoughts that you can give God, four different ways to pray. And the first is waking. When you wake up, you say, good morning, Lord. This is the day that you made. I'm going to be joyful in it. And you wake up and you just start talking to God. You, you, you think these things and you pray these things. You say, God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and to love people deeply. And you wake up. Those are your wake-up thoughts and prayers. The second is you're waiting. Not just you're waking, but you're waiting. Are you waiting for something that you've been praying about that you want to happen? Are you asking for healing for a loved one? Are you praying for the salvation of a friend? Are you praying for a miracle? Maybe it's a job that you need or a relationship that's in conflict, but it's a miracle. Are you waiting, are you waiting for God to come through in your life? And I've got some challenges in my day as you do your waking prayer, you say good morning to God and your waiting prayer. These are all throughout the day. You're thinking these things and you're, you're thinking about loved ones who need healing and relationships that are in conflict. And so you're lifting those things up to God. So you have your waking prayers and you're, you're waiting. And then your third is your whispering. And you may not want to shout your prayers out to God in the middle of Costco, right? 
but you would whisper these things like, God, would you help me right now? God, would you help me? I have this hard presentation at work, and so I need your help. God, um, I have, I'm in a difficult situation with a friend right now. Would you give me the words and the love and the grace? God, I need patience for my kids right now. They're driving me crazy. I need you, God. These are whispering prayers. God, would you help me to be loving towards this mean person I'm encountering right now? God, would you help me not to be fearful and angry and anxious? And these are all prayers that we just whisper all throughout our day. So you have your waking prayers. You say, good morning, God. This is your day. And you have your waiting prayers. These are the things that I'm thinking about, God, that are challenges for me. Then you have your whispering prayers. As you go out, go out throughout your life in your day, you're just whispering these things to God. And then you have your waning prayers at the end of your day. And you say, God, this is how I saw you work today. God, thank you for your strength. Thank you for your peace and your love and your encouragement and your grace today. Thank you, God, for all that you gave me to eat today and this place that I'm, I'm living in right now. And God, here's my concerns. You know all my concerns because I told you all my waiting prayers. But I'm going to sleep now because I need the rest. And you're still working even as I sleep. And even as I don't even see you working, I know you're working. And then you say, good night, God. And you go to sleep. And then you wake up in the morning, and it's waking prayers. And then it's, it's, it's waiting prayers. And then it's whispering prayers. And then at the end of the day, and you do that all day long. The sermon in a sentence today is this. Prayer isn't just something you do. It's a way that you live. And in his life, Jesus walked through life prioritizing the presence of God. He prioritized the presence of God. He made it a priority in his life, and he made it part of his whole day. So right now, we're just going to, because we're all here, and uh, maybe you didn't even pray yet today. So let's take some time to do this. So... I'm not going to tell you that you should close your eyes or bow your heads or fold your hands. I'm not going to tell you that you should go to your knees or you should stand up. It's whatever you want to do. So if you want to stand, go ahead. If you want to get to your knees, go ahead. If you want to keep your eyes open, if you want to fold your hands, it's okay. But what I want to do is I want to lead you to pray through Philippians chapter 4. And so Philippians chapter 4 it's in your notes, but I'll read it to you. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So I would, I would say that almost all of us right now have a concern that, that we're working through right now. Something that we're concerned about. Something that maybe you're worried about. Something that you're anxious about. So bring that thing in your mind right now. Just search your heart, search your mind a little bit. And think about something that you're concerned about. Some, something you're anxious or worried about. Go ahead and ad admit that to God. Just in your heart. Just say, God, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So tell Him how you feel about it. Tell Him that you're concerned. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're afraid. Go ahead and tell him about it right now. And then go ahead and ask him 
God, would you intervene? Would you just take care of this situation right now? And then search your heart and, and think of something that you can thank him for, even in your concern, your worry or your anxiety. Think of something that you can thank him for. And if it's as simple as, God, thank you that I could talk to you about this. That's good. That's really good. And as you do that, may the peace of God, which transcends all of your human understanding, will that peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we'll end our time by saying amen. Amen.